the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The Ten Commandments. We got a belly full of them this morning, didn't we? Being a child of the 1950s, every time I hear them, I still see in my mind's eye Charlton Heston as Moses, cowering while the fiery finger of God etches the law into stone tablets on Mount Sinai. I don't know if you've noticed, but all through this Lent, the Old Testament lessons cover a series of covenants. Two weeks ago, it was the covenant God made with Noah and all creation after the great flood, commonly called the Noachic covenant. Last Sunday, it was the covenant God made with Abraham and Sarah, called the Abrahamic covenant. But what about today's Old Testament lesson? What do the Ten Commandments, which we hear today, have to do with covenants? The word covenant isn't mentioned once in today's lesson. Turns out that what we heard in today's Old Testament reading, the Ten Commandments, was part of a covenant called the Mosaic Covenant, named after Moses. The Ten Commandments, also known as the Law, as in the Law and the Prophets, the Ten Commandments are the promises of the covenant. And as you know, every covenant involves promises or vows. Examples in our lives as Christians are baptism and the baptismal covenant, and marriage and the covenant of holy matrimony. Those covenants involve promises or vows. The promises or vows or oaths made in a covenant are also known as the terms of the covenant. Thousands of years ago in Old Testament times, in the ancient Near East, in cultures such as ancient Israel and Mesopotamia, there were essentially two types of covenants. One was a covenant between peers and equals. The other was between a feudal overlord and a vassal. In a covenant between equals, the terms of the covenant were mutually agreed upon. The covenant makers could negotiate on the promises they were about to make. On the other hand, in a covenant between a big boss and a minion, the terms were given by the overlord to the underling. No negotiating, no questioning, take it or leave it, was the only choice the underling had, yes or no. A no usually meant the underling would be squished. A yes was a promise or vow to keep the terms of the covenant imposed by the overlord. And the Mosaic Covenant, the one involving the Ten Commandments, is just such a covenant. A covenant between the big boss God and those who have no power to negotiate at all, that is Moses and his people. So, the covenant partners in today's lesson from Exodus are God and Israel. God is the Lord and Israel is the vassal. As such, the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, are given by God to Israel. No discussion, no negotiating, no, can we delete the part that says no coveting my neighbor's wife? So in this Mosaic covenant, God is saying to Israel, we are covenant partners, and here are the terms of our covenant relationship. You will not steal, you will not lie, you will not commit adultery, you will not commit murder, and so on. That's the deal. Do you take it or leave it? Yes or no? 
And what do the people of Israel say? Well, a bit later in Exodus, we read this. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, that is the Ten Commandments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. They said yes to the terms of the covenant. This is their promise, their vow, their oath. Yes, the Ten Commandments. Yes, the terms of the covenant. Yes, that is how we will live. The Mosaic Covenant was a promise to God, a covenantal promise to God to live a certain way, the way of the Ten Commandments. But another feature I want to mention today is that this covenant was what is called a blood covenant. All covenants in the ancient Near East during biblical times were blood covenants. In the typical ancient covenant, there was always the shedding of blood. The covenant partners would meet. In this case, God meets Moses on Mount Sinai. The terms of the covenant were read and the promises made to keep the terms. And then something rather off-putting to us moderns would take place. An animal would be cut right down the middle in two, swack. A life had to be sacrificed and blood had to be shed for the covenant to be enacted. The bigger the covenant ceremony, the bigger the sacrificed animal. It might be a dove if you were poor or an ox if you were rich. In the making of the Mosaic covenant with the Ten Commandments, a covenant between God and his people, well, that's a pretty big deal as covenants go. And we read in the book of Exodus that Moses, as part of the ratification of this covenant, built an altar at the base of Mount Sinai and, as expected, cut oxen, plural, in half. Listen to what is described next. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he threw against the altar, and then he took the words of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, this we will do. We will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. And he said, behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words, the Ten Commandments. In the making of this Mosaic covenant, there was the shedding of blood. And the blood of the covenant was on the altar, which represented God, and the people, his covenant partners. This, the giving of the Ten Commandments, was a blood covenant. And in a blood covenant, when the animal was sacrificed, whack, when a life was sacrificed and blood was shed, all of this was highly symbolic to the ancients. We don't get it this way, but they sure did. And what that meant to them was several things. First, it meant that the covenant was very serious and very sacred stuff, not to be entered into lightly. Blood had to be shed. A life had to be given for us to be in a covenantal relationship. Second, it meant that the covenant and the promises made were irreversible. It was a symbolic way of saying we can no more go back to life before our covenant. We can no more get out of the promises we just made than the two halves of this bloody and now dead animal could come back together and walk away alive. The cutting of this covenant, which is what they called it back then, cutting, 
The cutting of this covenant was as irreversible as the cutting of that animal. Once it was done, you couldn't go back. You couldn't unpromise promises. The third thing this part of the ritual meant to them was something like this. May this happen to me and worse if I fail to keep the promises I have made in this covenant of blood. Another way to put it was, I will keep this blood covenant I have made with you even if it kills me. This covenant is for life and for death. Wow, this is serious stuff. Covenants are serious stuff. So there were promises and there was blood. In this, the Mosaic Covenant, the promises were the terms of the covenant laid down by God to Israel, which we call the Ten Commandments. The blood of the covenant was the blood of the oxen sacrificed at the base of Mount Sinai, which was sprinkled on the covenant partners, the altar Moses built, signifying God and the people, his covenant partners. The people who said, yes, we will live this way. And may this happen to us and worse if we fail to keep these promises, if we fail to keep the Ten Commandments, if we fail to keep this covenant of blood. Very sobering stuff. Do you now see the Ten Commandments in a different light? This is why when we recite the Ten Commandments at the outset of the liturgy, as we did today, what do we do immediately after we hear them? It's on pages one and two in the service booklet today. What do we do after we hear the Ten Commandments? Do we pat ourselves on the back, high-five each other and say, hey, 90%, great job. 70% is good. That's a passing grade in anyone's book, right? No. After hearing the Ten Commandments, we don't congratulate ourselves or each other. What do we do? We immediately drop to our knees and confess our unfaithfulness to the promises of the covenant, our infidelity to our covenant partner God, and we beg, we beg for his mercy, mercy, because that this, after all, is a blood covenant. The Ten Commandments were not given by God in the Mosaic Covenant as a tool for seeing how good a boy or girl we have been. The Ten Commandments were given by God as a prescription as to how God expects us to live, yes, but even more, they were given as a diagnostic, a diagnostic to show us how unhealthy we really are. That's why in the New Testament, St. Paul calls the Ten Commandments, get this, St. Paul calls the Ten Commandments the law of death. Yeah, St. Paul writes that the law, the Ten Commandments kill, they kill because no one, no human has ever kept or ever will keep all of them always. And per a blood covenant, may this happen to me and worse, if I fail to keep my promises. I'm sure there are some who are deceived and believe that they have. They have kept all their promises in the Ten Commandments. But while we're still on page one in the service leaf today, look at that. The prayer book here, quoting the Bible, has a response to that I, I'm okay attitude. Bottom of page one, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, 
and the truth is not in us. You're not okay. We have all broken the Mosaic Covenant. Here's where all this is leading to. The Mosaic Covenant, the Ten Commandments, a covenant in blood, does not show us how good we are. They show us how desperately doomed we are. They show us that we need to be saved. They show us we need a Savior. You and I don't need a self-help book. We need a Savior. The truth of our condition is that we need salvation from our predicament, which is why we call Jesus our what? Our Savior. Not our mentor, our Savior. Not our guru, our Savior. Not our friend, our Savior. Over thousands of years, God has taught mankind through multiple covenants. In the covenant of Noah, that he, God, is for life, not for death. In the covenant with Abraham and Sarah, that through the line of Abraham and Sarah and God's people, including you and me, all the families of the earth would be blessed. In the covenant with Moses, that we, all humans, are in need of a savior because we can't, for the life of us, meet the promises to God that we have made. Although we cannot keep our promises, God always keeps his promises. And all of these covenants and more that I haven't mentioned prepare us for and point us toward the arrival of Jesus Christ who did just what God promised. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus, the Son of God, made a new covenant with his followers, his church. Not just those present that night, but all those All those who followed or ever will follow him in the future. And that includes you, by the way. In the covenant ceremony of the Last Supper, Jesus said, This is my blood of the new covenant. I am your covenant partner. I am for you. I love you. The bad news is that you are doomed by the blood of the Mosaic covenant. But, but, Jesus says, I will take your place. I will give my life for you so that you may live. I will take the full brunt of the consequences of your breaking the promises you made. Every week, we remember that covenant Jesus made in his body and blood at the Last Supper. Because if it were not for that, if it were not for him, we would be toast. In the Eucharist, We hear that Jesus took the bread and said, this is my body. This, this bread is my body. My body which is given for you. My body which I am giving for you. My body which I am giving for you to pay the price for your failure to keep the covenant promises you made with my father. When you said to my father, I will keep these promises even if it kills me. I, Jesus is saying, I will keep these promises for you and for you and for you, you whom I love so much, even even if it kills me, which it did. This morning, I commend to you a certain reflection on one of the actions of the blood covenant alongside one of the actions of the Eucharist. Jesus takes the bread, holds it up, and says, this is my body, and breaks it. My body, 
which is broken for you. The celebrant holds up the bread, the body of Christ, and does what? Breaks it. Right down the middle. Snap. As we do that this morning, in a few minutes, ponder the significance of that action. The cosmic and personal significance of that action. Ponder what that might really, truly mean for you. For you. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.